Welcome to the Breaking HR Podcast, where we wrestle with employment challenges for entrepreneurs, business leaders, and HR professionals. Here are your hosts, Jesse and Nathan. Today on the Breaking HR Podcast, we welcome Tracy Workman and Judy Coe. Tell me about your roles, experience, and then more specifically, if there's anything within the HR world or the employment world that you are either a particular expert at or have specifically dealt with in a big way that you could share a story about or some knowledge on. And then we could, I think, frame our our discussion around something. So So I'm Tracy Workman, and I've been in the industry for just over 10 years. Actually, this year would be the 12th year, I believe, 13th year. I can't remember. I started back in 2011. Um, Right now, my role is an HR business partner. And I deal with almost anything and everything employee relations related, benefits, um, you name it, investigations. One of the most interesting thing that I had to deal with was not with my current employer, but with a previous employer where an employee had told us that they were planning on committing suicide. It was just a lot of things hitting him all at once. And it was him and his wife, his kids, he can't take care of his kids. He found out he had a medical prognosis that was really bad. And also his wife was pregnant too. And she also had a different medical prognosis. So he just, everything hit him all at once. And uh, yeah, it was hard to deal with. Very hard, very heavy. Yeah, we had to, because we were at corporate office and he was out on the sites, we didn't know where he was. So we had to try to dispatch his coworkers, call them, call the police, call the suicide line to see how we can get him the help that he needs before he was non-responsive to us. As HR, you have to deal with so much, even like with the height of COVID, like we were almost propelled as like the subject matter expert on COVID and it wasn't the case. It was, you're just finding information as you go and listening to all the authorities and trying to figure everything out. So I remember my first phone call where it was an employee stuck in Toronto airport and they couldn't come back home to Edmonton. It's crazy though. It added this whole new layer of HR, right? This whole new skill set. Well, that's a deep way to start, but I love it. <laughs> like, whoa, it's like, how do I go after that? <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Judy, tell us a little bit about your story. Like what brings you to today? I know you and I have chatted about it, but Tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey into HR. So yeah, my path to HR was a little different. So I didn't go straight into HR. Like I originally went into science first, didn't know what to do, thought about going into education, business was an option, went into business. And then I just looked at like the list of all the majors and I like eliminated a bunch. And I was like, oh, HR sounds cool. So I took it. So that takes me to, like, I guess I've technically done HR since, I guess my first job was 2018 for co-op. So that was about like a year's worth of experience there. And then after school was done, that happened to land me right in COVID. So I couldn't get a job. I was working at a restaurant. Like I literally just could not get a job. Everyone that I'd known that had gotten a job was getting laid off. Like it was just crazy. So I was just like, what do I do? Finally, I got the job here where I am currently. Bit of a wild ride. So I mean, of like really HR focused experience. So it'd be about two years and then three years with school. Um, or like the co-op term. So it's, I don't have quite as much experience as Tracy does. 
So I don't have something like that in, you know, that crazy. But even in the short time I've been working, I'd say like some of the things dealing with like family status or like any like case law stuff can be kind of crazy just because I can change while you're working on it. We did have one recently, like the family status stuff like that we were looking at was actually kind of change. There was a new decision. So we actually had to pivot. We're like, okay, at first we weren't really obligated to do anything in terms of, you know, if we're not changing our terms of employment, the employee coming back can't meet it. That was kind of that. But then a new decision came out basically saying that we have to at least try to accommodate. So like the act of not accommodating is basically kind of almost like changing the terms was kind of how I interpreted it. So basically it was like, we're now obligated to at least try to work with them and get them back. Even if they're saying, oh, because of childcare, I can't do full time. Like we have to at least try to work with them on it. It was all kind of crazy that it was happening right as someone was like, oh, I want to come back, but I can't work the full hours. And we're like, oh, okay, well then, oh, well, we're not changing your terms. So we're okay to just sit back and do nothing. But then it changed. We're like, oh, okay, well now we have to pivot and be like, okay, never mind. We have to work on figuring out an agreement. This is the beauty of HR. Every situation is not black and white. Both of you, it's like trial by fire come in and like all the stuff's raining down on you. It's like, you want to say, I think this is the perfect segue though. What we wanted to talk about is mentoring programs and what that looks like. So I think that that's a really interesting way to jump into it. So let me ask this. What is your experience to now with mentoring? Like, how have you been involved? I know, Tracy, you're doing some different things on both sides of the equation and doing some volunteering. Judy, I think you're a little newer to it, but maybe let's start with you, Judy. Tell me a little bit about being part of a mentoring program. So definitely newer to it. It's been great so far. I mean, it's just nice to have someone that you can kind of just, I mean, I know I haven't really reached out outside of our meetings, but it's nice to know that like if I need to, I can. And I probably will try to a little bit more going forward. It's just been like absolutely crazy. But it's also, it's nice that like, so formally you're my mentor, but Tracy has also been like an informal mentor to me, like in person here. So it's been like, I mean, she's the one that got me into the mentoring in the first place. So it's kind of nice. I'm like, cause I'd always seen it. And even when I was a student, I was like, oh, well, but you have to join ZPHR to even get into the mentoring. And at the time they were charging students a membership fee. I'm like, I don't have the money to join to even get into it. I regret it now because I'm like, I could have paid the small membership fee to do it because I do think in the short time that I've been doing it, it's been really good. It's been really nice. Not even just the fact that you can reach out to someone, but even doing this, like it's getting me more exposed to other people and like kind of getting to meet more of a network. But yeah, it's been a really good experience. And yeah, just kind of having someone that you can just be like, I have this question. I just want to talk it through or like get your opinion on it. Like even I had a couple of things for you the other day like, oh, I just threw it out there just to get your thoughts on it. Because I'm like, I don't know what to think. But yeah, so it's been really good. Nathan, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. That's huge. I would say my former boss, he's definitely a mentor and it works really well. I just need to ask you this. I know the answer. I just need to hear that I'm right. <laughs> or I just need to hear that I'm on the right track or what else, right? Like what else do you have to add to it that I'm not seeing? It really makes it for a richer and a better experience for the people you deal with and makes you a better employee as well. It's a huge one. So this mentorship, is this a formal arrangement? How does this work? We're both in the CPHR Alberta Association. So Judy is, she just finished her NKE. So part one of getting her designation, she passed that. So yay, Judy. And then I have my designation. So I signed up for the program and actually my first mentor was actually Jesse. 
turned out <laughs> we actually <laughs> liked each other and I learned a lot from him. And I think like, it's just like a mutual like relationship where you learn from each other. Like I didn't know there's so much that he could still learn from me, even though I'm a little bit more junior and he's been in HR for quite a while. So it's a refreshing feeling. I got to say exactly that. Like I have learned so much. You go in as a mentor, you learn a tremendous amount. You go in seeking a mentor, you learn a tremendous amount. So that has been really cool to get that insight. And I think to what you said, Judy, meeting different people that maybe you wouldn't otherwise meet or come across and it kind of brought into the network. And then Nathan, I like actually the point you raised. There's a lot of room for both. Like I think you need informal mentors and programs like a formal mentorship program is needed as well. And I think a lot of businesses might not have the capacity for maybe the formalizing, but you can use the informal. I think there's a question that I'm trying to ask there, but is there something you can see through your experience and how companies can maybe start a mentoring program, even if it's, you know, something really basic to start? Some places already do. It's kind of like, I mean, like just having even just like a simple buddy system. It could work where it's like, and it doesn't even have to be within your department or your field. I feel like you could learn a lot just in the sense of like, a professional workplace because that was a big learning curve when I did my first co-op is like walking in like I didn't even know how to interact with people in terms of like a business sense so it was just very intimidating even just mentoring in that sense would be nice I mean if it's within your field that's great but sometimes if it's a smaller place you could just get mentored from someone more senior I think it could really help just kind of ease you into things I like that idea of a buddy system I think we all need that person at our jobs that isn't a boss that you can just go to yeah, even something simple, like where do I go to eat around here if I want to go for lunch? Like just little things, right? And someone to buy you lunch even. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or even just like, where do you go get supplies? Like, where's all the paper at? Like they tell you on your first day, but like, I'm not going to remember that. Do your whole tour. You're like, I don't know where the spare pens are. I work remote, but also in a small office. But when I started, I was in a larger office, cubicle wasteland, as you can imagine. I had certain people I would go to for certain things. So I guess I'm fairly outgoing, so I would create those relationships. So it's important to formalize, I think, as well, Jesse, to your point, because you need to make it okay to reach out and mentor. But I definitely had people I would go to for, no, there was always the one person I could go to for the very stupid questions or the times where I think I maybe made a big mistake, but I don't want to tell anyone <laughs> or get in trouble, but I need to know, you know what to do. So there's those people and then there's the ones for friendship or whatever else. And then there's kind of your more formalized yeah, mentorship to help with education. We all need those different ones. I love that. Oh, shit test. I'm going to call it like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think every new employee, well, and even not employees, we need that person that we can reach out to. And I still have those people. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> we just had a new guy start. And yeah, I made a point of reaching out and, you know, we do introductory meetings. I said, you know what? Call me if you need something. Even if you've asked me five times, just do it because we've all been there. And I would rather be asked five times the same answer than have someone guess or have it kind of mess things up. I think we all need to know that that's okay. What are some of the things that maybe, you know, haven't worked for you or that you've seen not work for other people? Tracy, I wanted to ask that more to you. Like you've dove in full head first. So Tracy's also working and volunteering to help the program with CPHR. What are some of the things that maybe you're seeing? that haven't worked or that are obstacles for people? Just getting started. 
Like we all know that we need a mentor if we are ambitious or even just starting out in your career and you're trying to find information about your field or whatnot. You just need to get started. And that's the most scary thing to do. But once you do it, like you won't regret it because you'll end up making lifelong relationships, even not just like a formal relationship, but even an informal relationship where you kind of just chat and it's confidential and you know it's confidential between the two of you and you leave it as that. There's no repercussions, right? It's not like you're bad-mouthing your employer or anything. It's just you're having issues and you need to solve it out. And sometimes you need to take that out of the organization to get a outside perspective. With the CHR mentoring program, obviously it's not perfect, but we're always trying to improve it. So one of the things that we are working on is providing support to not only just the mentors, but also mentees, the protégés to see these are the questions that you can come up. These are some icebreaker questions as well for both sides to kind of initiate that relationship that you can build on to break the ice, then get a little bit more in depth in the conversations. So how does the program exactly work? Is everybody automatically signed up and assigned someone? Is it voluntary? How do you manage that? Whoever wants to be on the program or interested, they would have to sign up to either be a protege or a mentor. You can be both. And then, so I'm actually one of the two people that help with the pairing. So we look at the comments on what each individual would like to be mentored on or vice versa. And then we try to mash them together and we look at organization structure, if they're unionized, non-union, if the mentors feel comfortable either mentoring in any of those environments, so a union or both, or just one or the other. And then obviously not all matches are perfect, but we tell them like if the personality clashes, you guys can't seem to get along or whatnot and build that relationship, then If there is more than one, like one protege can take on two mentors or the other way around, the mentors can take on a group of protégés as well. What is your uptake on this program from a, like membership wise, you guys are huge. Yeah. How do you measure that? Or what are you measuring? For our intakes, we do it twice a year for a six month period, but the relationship can be extended by both the protege and the mentor. So there's documents that you would have to sign for that to extend that. But I think in our last intake, we got upwards of about almost 200, 200 mentors and about 200 protégés, which was almost aligned with each other. So that would be like a one-on-one relationship. I'm hearing that this upcoming intake is going to be a little bit bigger. We actually are going to have probably more protégés than mentors. That's good. Like, it's good to see. And I'm not surprised. You know, I think the HR profession is growing. It's just getting huge. There's so many things that fall under that umbrella now. It's just crazy. And I think that you both see it every day. Like, (laughs) I started out here doing this one thing. Now I'm doing these 16 things. It's good that that's growing and people are taking part. I think there's also a shift in the mindset of employers nowadays from HR being more of an admin reactive function or department. And now because of the environment and it's how it's hard for recruiting and keeping employees or even just recruiting candidates, HR is now acting as a strategic partner. How can we attract and retain 
the talent that we have. 100%. Yeah. One of the things that I'm curious about is, and I know that you're both at different stages, but you're newer to the HR world than I am still. You know, is there anything that you see as emerging pieces of HR that really excite you? Like, I don't know, Judy, like, sorry with you, is there something that like you see is something you really want to dive into in the future? Personally, like for me, it's all like bridging the numbers and the data with the actual people side. I feel like a lot of HR people don't like numbers or they don't like the analytics. They don't like the data, which is kind of where I've had the comments made to me a few times just because I have a more like analytical scientific thought process. But I also still really care about the people side. So it's like kind of combining those together. It's like, well, because sometimes you can't just look at the number. Like it doesn't work that way. So like kind of combining the two is something that I think a lot of people are going towards. It's just trying to get people actually, it's hard to combine both of them together. Because like sometimes it's like, okay, these are the hard facts. These are the numbers. And then, I mean, yeah, that's why I feel like in the past, like HR hasn't necessarily been taken seriously. But to Tracy's point, it's becoming more strategic and that we are bringing those numbers. You know, I'm very interested to see like how much we can push it, how quickly and like how much it's going to develop into that strategic role. And I think the numbers do play a big part in getting the HR people more or less adverse to the numbers. I think it's going to be an interesting one because like for me, I like it. Well, I don't like math, but I like the data. I like the statistics. I like seeing what it can do. But I think that's the most interesting part to me is bridging that and putting them together. It's interesting to try and marry data and analytics into emotion and someone's attitude or outlook. That's a hard thing to take on. I think I just, yeah, it's just interesting, right? It's kind of like, it's almost like a machine and an organic life form being combined somehow. No, but it's true. Like, I think to both your points, like to what you said, Judy, is like, that's how HR becomes more strategic. And that's what you were getting at you now as an HR professional are bringing the numbers and the analytics that go with, you know, this feeling, right? And it's the marrying of those two things that is really driving the strategic partnerships that HR is bringing to the table. That's a theme we've heard a lot too in the last few I've noticed is HR becoming that department that's actually growing in prominence and importance. It's starting to become one of the decision makers at the table versus a backbencher that has an opinion that no one cares about, <laughs> to be particularly frank. But I joke about that, but it's kind of like it doesn't hold the same weight or it hasn't always held the same weight as you know your finance department or your management department or whomever else. Yeah, it's um, nice to see that elevation. And I think that someone having a pulse to the employees that are working for you and actually doing the work and the ones that are being affected emotionally or mentally because of the work they're doing or the workload that's happening. It's extremely important to marry that in with data analytics, finance, the direction of the company, the trajectory of what's going on. Because if you miss that point, you're going to start to crash and crumble because employees are the most important thing and they'll start to leave or they'll start to be doing a poor job or any number of other things. Is there anything that you see like coming that's new and exciting in the world of HR for you? Well, I've been in HR for a long time. I feel like I'm prehistoric. <laughs> well, I came at a time where resumes were still like paper and we were, we didn't even really have a applicant tracking system yet. And everything was paper files and then digitizing it afterwards and electronic filing. So it's weird, but it's nice to see like 
the changes in using HR systems that are a little bit more powerful to help support HR professionals in delivering the message between what Judy's saying is analytics and the HR function. Also like tapping into the workforce where I actually went to a webinar on Indigenous workforce and Indigenous youth and how they're actually growing pretty fast. There are lots of things that you have to take into consideration, like residential schools and all that stuff and how they're still healing from trauma. Yeah, it's a lot of information. There are new things that we have to tap in and it's information that's thrown fast at you. So it's something that you have to absorb in, but also be able to relay that clearly to the employer to help them with their organization in expanding or succeeding in their goals. Lots of change and lots of HR gets the information and now we're the experts, right? And it's like, okay, this is a whole new area. Like that's so, <laughs> that's so fitting. I'm surprised, Tracy, that you didn't mention AI and machine learning. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> I think we're still learning quite a bit because we're doing like webinars by employment lawyers. They're talking about what are the considerations that are in use, not just for the employee themselves, where it's personal information that they're putting in, but also like proprietary information from the company. So got to be careful on all ends, but there's not really any laws depending on which part of the country you're in or yeah, regulations. Around AI use? Yeah, AI use, or even what's that webinar we went on? I think it was from Denton, right, Judy, where there was a case where an employee used AI to write a contract for their vendor and they never double checked the information. And when it came to it, the vendor had taken them to court because there were a whole bunch of different sections or segments that conflicted with what they had told the vendor. Oh, I see. They were talking about the importance of proprietary information, putting it into AI, and then any of your personal information, but also you have to double check with subject matter experts on what's being written out and to see if it conflicts with your current policies as well. And it was just like, it was the whole thing. It could have been like two or three hours long. And I'm like, oh my God, it's crazy. People have just kind of jumped into AI and just been like, oh, cool, it can do this. And they just do it. But you have to realize like that, yeah, like you have to double check it. Something could be wrong. Or I think the thing that they also mentioned is that you have to disclose that you're using it to be like, okay, this was generated using AI or even still having like your subject matter experts check it over. And yeah, like AI can be good, but it's really only learns what you've put in. So you have to be careful of any biases. Like if all the information that's been fed into it is biased, it's learning biases. So it's like, I know it's interesting when people are like, oh, AI is great for screening resumes. It can be, but it depends on what information was fed into it to teach it. Or false positives. Yeah, that too. I think it can be a good starting point or a good place to jog your memory or jog your creative self to if you have to write something or come up with a plan or a policy or some structure. I do it all the time. I throw it into AI and go, oh yeah, okay, that's what it kind of should look like. Try not to hit the copy and paste button or I'll throw it in and then I'll just edit the entire thing as I go. But at least you have that structure and that's a huge help. That saves 
quite a bit of time just that part. I fully agree, like slapping it into a document or a contract and sending it is like ignorant as you can be, I think. A little scary yet, right? <laughs> I think there's just people just blindly trust it. Yeah. And that's where we can use that, you know, each other and our second set of eyes or our friend that's the oh shit button and say like, hey, I think this is what I want to send out. Does this look right? Can you give it a read? Like whether it's formal or informal, like I think that's another. Before sending it out. Before getting sent. <laughs> I never thought of disclosure though too, if this was generated by AI or partially. That's actually a very good one just in case, right? And then at least you're being open. But I wonder if that would turn people off. I guess it depends. I think in more socialized, it might. But I think we'll get to a place where it's like, that's the norm, right? Chatbots on a lot of websites, it says that right up front. And some of them are really good. If you receive a resume that's generated by AI, do you keep it? It's generated by AI. Well, if they disclose on a resume, I made this resume with AI. I haven't come across it yet. Yeah, I haven't come across ones that they've disclosed, but I'm pretty sure like most of them are generated from AI. Like I know I had a friend where he was like, oh, hey, Tracy, I don't need your help for HR, but I just wanted to let you know that I did my cover letter and my resume through AI and it was the best thing ever. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> did you proofread this? Maybe a good idea. I don't know who told me this, but they were like, you can basically, I don't know if it was a cover letter or a resume, but it's like putting in like the job description from the posting in it and then like doing the cover letter after it. So it'll like pull from like your resume and like fit the job posting. It was crazy. On Instagram, there's videos of different recruiters that are talking about chat GPT or AI. And that's what they're saying is want to get called for interviews more often this is what you should do to upgrade your resume or your cover letter yeah and i've heard some places that'll use ai to screen resumes too if places are going to screen resumes using ai so i guess if you're going to make your resume with ai like this is perfect though because this is one of the themes we like to talk a lot about is like what systems what trends what things are you using automation wise or system wise to help make life easier ladies and gentlemen Welcome to Shoutouts, where we recognize the things that are making life just a little bit better. We should start with our guests on this segment, I think. I'll just say Judy can go first, and then we'll hear Tracy's shoutout. I can go, I guess. Shoutout to AI. It's a learning curve, but it's trying to make our lives a little bit easier. Like you said, if you have writer's block, you can't formulate something. You just put in some prompts, and it'll, it'll get you started. And that's just like, the easy use for AI? When you say shout out to AI, you're obviously using it. What forms of AI or what programs are you using? Are you doing chat GPT? Are you doing something else? I'm using, and I'm like just barely touching the surface here, but I'm using chat GPT for the sole reason that my sister-in-law is getting married in September. And my husband, whose name also has to be Jesse. He and I had put in some prompts to write because we have to write a speech for her wedding. It gave us the most funniest speech ever. I love it. I'll add to that without stealing too much thunder. There's an app called Notion. And it's like a to-do list, but it's kind of AI power. I'll throw that one into it too. I've been dabbling in it. I haven't quite made it like my main thing. But it's pretty cool because you can go in and if you just need to make like I did, hey, I need a list of like 
even if you want structure, like, can you give me a to-do list with three categories in progress, gone, not started and done like that kind of thing? It'll like create a whole template and it does not just list these things. It's not just like a notepad. It'll do like a whole magic template. It's pretty neat. Not to steal your thunder. I heard that you can also use AI to like, if you look at your refrigerator or what types of food that you have, you can type it in and say, formulate a recipe for me to make with these items. Oh yeah. That's super cool. Pretty soon there'll be a camera in our fridges and cupboards and it'll just be like supper tonight is like this. And you're like, I don't like that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Judy, do you have a shout out that you've been thinking of? Shout out to the piercer that I had yesterday at Pitbull. She was amazing. Yeah, I did not pass out. Luckily, she didn't actually have to use a needle. So, but I got my ears redone. But yeah, she could tell that I was like, I'm feeling a little woozy and I had to lie down. And I'm like, I just need a minute. But yeah, she was able to make it so I didn't have to actually use a needle needle. Care, <laughs> comfort, and people that'll take care of you. I like her. Yeah, she was really good. And if Pitbull hears this, we're accepting sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, don't they have like a buy one, get one free piercing or something? <laughs> yeah, the prices were really good. And yeah, it was great. So this one is just yesterday I bought a bag of chips. First of all, do you know those white cheddar popcorn that they sell in like the black bag? I forget what it's called, smart food. And it's so good. The white cheddar, for some reason, I just love that. Except I don't love popcorn. Lay's just put out a smart food flavored chip and they are awesome. (laughs) I got to try it. And they're generous with it. Like it's like on the chip. It's not like, oh, there's a little bit. It's like, this is everything. So it's part of like a mashup deal. Looks like they're doing where they have like Doritos flavored Lay's and they have like a bunch of those crossovers. So I bought the white cheddar ones. I want to try the Dorito one too. I want to try the Miss Vicky's spicy dill pickle. Oh yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. So yeah, it's a Lay's chip, like potato chip, but it's using flavoring from different like smart food, white cheddar popcorn and Doritos and Miss Vicky's. It's mind blowing. (laughs) What an easy thing for them to do for one. You just load different seasoning into the same thing. It's just so great. My shout out is so lame today. (laughs) We're going very commercial today. Mine shout out, I did think about this while we were on today. My shout out is actually to a company called Pathwave, a corporate merch company. I've worked with a number of times over there. This nice fleece I'm wearing today. Kyle and his team has done some great work for me at a number of companies I've worked with over the years. But anyway, just dawned on me that they do some great work and some really cool shit too. So shout out to them. This has been shout outs. Is it Jerry Springer? He just died recently. Didn't he always have his final thought? Oh, yeah. Not that I ever watched it that often. Like, as like an 11-year-old, you're like, ooh, Jerry Springer's on. But he always says, oh, now for my final thought. On that note, <laughs> why don't we take a couple of minutes, summarize kind of a few things, leave everybody with a couple of good tidbits for them to go home with. Yeah, I love that idea. Why don't we start with like, why should people start in a formal mentoring program? I think it just helps them get structure in their actual former work setting. Icebreakers, uh, it's less scary because, you know, there's some type of structure around it and both sides are mutually agreed in making sure they're getting the most out of each other or they benefit from each other. Yeah. What do you think, Judy? Yeah, I think formalizing it maybe almost like forces you into actually 
like Tracy said, getting the most out of it on both ends, especially if you're not that familiar with it, it gives you a good start on kind of how to structure. And it almost like forces you to get over your fear, maybe. Like for me, it was a little nerve wracking first getting into it. I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And Tracy's like, don't worry, you'll be fine. But I mean, it was easier for me because it's like, oh, well, Tracy already knew who I was going to be paired with. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll be okay. But I think formalizing things can definitely, if it was a different case and I didn't know who I was going to be meeting with, it would definitely help kind of like push you to actually do it and get the most out of it. And I like your point on structure, how to actually structure that relationship. And that comes with formalizing it versus just informal. Maybe it's not really structured and maybe it's not as productive. Yeah, because you're utilizing both each other's time, right? So you want to be mindful and you don't want to waste anyone's time. Formal and informal are both good, though. To me, I feel like if it's too formal, it gets a little robotic, kind of mixing in the both the formal and informal. But I think formal is a good way to start. And then it becomes a little bit more, you know, or like you can mix in some informal relationships here and there. It's both useful. Can we leave some information on how folks can get involved with the mentoring program that you are running? They have to be a member of CPHR first. And then on CPHR, like their dashboard, there is a section for mentorship and they can either sign up to be a mentor or protege or both. And I believe now you guys are doing peer-to-peer as well, right? Yeah, so we have a peer support group for mentors and also a peer support group for protégés as well. The next intake, actually, I think the deadline is coming up pretty soon here, sometime in June. So. You said it's two times a year, so it's usually June, and then when is the other one? June, I think it's June to December, like six months, and then January to June. All in all, just join a mentorship program. Don't wait. Yeah, don't wait. Just do it. I made the mistake of waiting because I did feel stuck at one point, and you don't want to get to that point because you start to doubt yourself, and you start looking out of the profession to exit. That's not a good place to be. And I'm glad that you found your way in it and, you know, you love what you're doing. This has been very cool. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about it. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Likewise. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Go make it a great day.